What is up, everybody? Welcome into episode 45 of Lockdown Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. I don't know what to talk about on today's podcast. I think this is one of the only times in my entire life, and I think my family would attest to this as well, in which I've actually been somewhat speechless. I try to prep for every show. I try to come at every single podcast that I do from a certain angle. And there, I'm not going to act like there's nothing going on because there is, there's rumblings, uh, the back and forth between the Players Association and the owners as we try to get this season off the ground or potentially off the ground. And you know what? A lot of people find that really interesting. Uh, no reports yet. Maybe by the time you listen to this podcast, there will be some reports about whether or not the Players Association agreed to this deal. They won't. But a lot of people find this stuff interesting. I'm not one of those people. In fact, I find the whole thing very maudlin and tedious and rather sad. People are just begging for a storyline right now, and I get it. I Dude, I completely understand that as a sports fan and as a baseball fan. And you see a lot of passionate debate. Some people, most people, taking the sides of the players. Some people defending the owners. I don't care enough about it either way to pick a side. And that probably cripples this podcast and might make things a little bit less interesting, but I can't I can't fake it here. I'm pro baseball. I'm pro whatever it's going to take to get a baseball season going in 2020, which I still, and with each passing day, I'm becoming more and more convinced isn't going to happen. And I pointed this out on Monday, but it's worth reiterating a million times. If there isn't a season, it won't be because the coronavirus derailed everything. It will be a contributing factor, but there should be a season. At this point, there should absolutely be a season. Enough has gone into this to support the fact that there should be baseball at some point this season. But if there isn't, it will be simply because of greed and the idiocy of Major League Baseball. And uh, through this whole process, what I've kind of discovered, as much as I love this sport, as much as I love the Tigers, as much as I love watching baseball, that's the important thing here. Baseball is a very interesting thing to me. Baseball is like Star Wars. When, when baseball is being played, that's interesting. And there's and there's moves and free agency and trades. I find all that stuff fascinating. What's going on right now is like the Star Wars prequels, except it's all the parts in the prequels where they're talking about politics, not the cool parts when people are fighting with lightsabers. And the reason I continue to have zero faith that we're going to be able to get this thing off the ground is that why should we why should we trust Major League Baseball right now? Look at the history of Major League Baseball over the last, oh, I don't know, 25 years. What what faith should we have in this sport that it's going to be able to handle this correctly and we're going to get this thing off the ground? When you re- Look, not to people like me, but the layman out there, the fringe baseball fan. When you think of baseball over the last 25, 30 years, what do you think of? You think of steroids? You think of the Astros banging trash cans? Think about the the lockout in the 94 season that ended what was shaping up to be a pretty promising 1994 season. The Montreal Expos' entire existence ended essentially because of that lockout. It's pretty far down that list until you actually get to moments that happened on the baseball field. And this is, I feel like this is going to be no exception. I brought this up on Monday and I'll reiterate it again. Everyone is rooting for baseball right now. Everyone wants sports back. They don't care if if people are flicking marbles. They want to see a sport on television. 
And this is an opportunity for America's pastime to have a slam dunk moment to be brought back into the forefront of American culture, the front, the very front of the sporting world. Uh, J.P. Morosi, Michigan native, was on a Colin Cowherd's show the other day, and he was talking about that, how important this is for Major League Baseball. The think pieces this is going to lead to, the discussions, the debate, the potential controversy, all of it will be good for baseball. This will be an instance. If they get back to baseball, despite the possible controversy that might be surrounding it, it will be good for the sport because for the first time in a long time, the discussion that will be had is going to be a plenty, and it will be all about the sport of baseball, which is something we haven't seen in years, and naturally, they're probably going to screw it up. I mean, I don't, I don't know what discuss to what to discuss here in this first segment. I, I could talk about John Heyman, who said that MLB's position is that it will lose more money if they play games without fans and pay prorated salaries than if they don't play at all. Thus, owners are saying that they will not pay prorated salaries. These guys are billionaires. And I'm not someone who constantly is under the belief of, oh, well, it's always the owner's fault. I'm constantly taking the side of the player. I probably am more pro-player than pro-owner, but I don't think that owners are inherently evil just because they have X amount of money. But stop trying to play the victim here. You have the money to pay pro-rated salaries. Stop it. Stop it. That's the problem with a lot of these owners in Major League Baseball and Major League Baseball in general is that they just insult our intelligence sometimes. I mean, it's, it, it, this is no different to me than, than Rob Manfred calling the World Series trophy a piece of metal. Like, think before you say stuff that you know is factually incorrect and stupid. It's annoying. Also annoying were the comments that Mark Teixeira made on ESPN yesterday. And I like Tex. I, I think uh, it's hard for me to bash a guy who played a long career, represented himself well, never cheated, you know, won a championship, made all-star teams, you know, a, a model of... of goodness in Major League Baseball was Mark Teixeira, but he made a dumb comment yesterday. That, that I mean, part of it I agree with, and that was the first part, which said players need to understand that if they turn this deal down and shut the sport down, they're not making a cent. I would rather make pennies on the dollar and give hope to people and play baseball than not make anything and lose an entire year off their career. Okay, I mean, that's not true, and I th- I'm sure that's easy. <laughs> I'm sure that's easy for him to say because he doesn't play anymore. If this would have happened in 2010 and not 2020, I, I bet Mark Teixeira would feel a little bit differently. Well, but he's in a different place in his life, and obviously in a different place in his career, so he feels a need to say stuff like this. And look, I as much as I adore this sport, people need to quit acting like the players in Major League Baseball owe you anything or owe you hope. If your life is is that awful that the only thing that you get any semblance of hope out of is Major League Baseball, you, you've been wrecked for a long time. You need to reevaluate things. Yes, I want baseball back. It's something I want desperately. It's something, gosh darn it, I kind of need. But I'm not going to act like my entire life hinges on seeing a couple guys try to hit a ball with a, with a large wooden stick. I think sometimes people kind of act like they're owed something. They're owed that these players need to go out there and, and perform because we deserve it. We don't deserve anything. These guys have put in the work. 
And yes, I would, of course, we want to see baseball this year, but we, we got to stop acting like it's something that is, that it, it's our right. It's our constitutional right to see baseball this year because it's not. And there's still a lot of things that need to get figured out. And I worry that those things won't get figured out. And because of that, I'm still increasingly worried that there won't be a season, but we're going to find out pretty darn soon. Maybe even today when you're listening to this. Uh, so I know I rambled, but that is going to do it for this first segment I will be back here next segment. Who knows what we're going to talk about? I'll think about it. I'll surprise you. Be back in a sec. Built Bars are tasty. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. 16 amazing flavors, 8 chocolate nut flavors, 8 chocolate nut free flavors. It says so on the packaging. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. I had my very first one just the other day, the peanut butter brownie one. And unlike a lot of other protein bars, which have a little bit of crunch to them, these, they really do melt in your mouth. And Built Bars are healthy too. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy or girl. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Look at uh, something like the peanut butter brownie, the one I just talked about. That's 20 grams of protein. 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, 3 grams net carbs. You can try them today, but we have a special offer as well. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. This podcast is sponsored by the audiobook edition of 24, Life Stories and Lessons from the Say Hey Kid. In this reflective and inspirational memoir, the legendary Willie Mays shares the inspirations and influences responsible for guiding him on and off the field. Widely regarded as the greatest all-around player in baseball history, the beloved Willie Mays offers people of all ages his lifetime of experience meeting challenges with positivity, integrity, and triumph. This special audiobook production includes a foreword read by Bob Costas and a bonus conversation with Willie Mays and his co-author, John Shea. Whether you miss seeing your favorite players on the field this season or are looking for the perfect Father's Day gift, 24 is the inspiring story of one of sports fans' favorite living legends. Buy the audiobook edition of 24 now wherever audiobooks are sold. All right, we're back. Uh, I was I was pretty miserable in that first segment. I apologize. But what, look, one thing, if you've been following me long enough, you know that one thing I have in spades is authenticity. I'm never going to come on here with the fake kind of morning zoo-ish, everything is great, isn't everything wonderful type of mentality. I'm just not wired that way. I, I can't come on here and act like everything's great because it's not. We're potentially on the verge of not having a baseball season right now. I'm not going to come on here and pretend that everything is peaches and cream. But I am going to actually be a bit positive in this segment because Fox Sports Detroit here in Michigan has been replaying some classic games from the Detroit Tigers 2006 season, obviously the season in which they made the postseason for the first time in 19 years, making it all the way to the World Series before losing to the 83-win St. Louis Cardinals. We don't have to talk about that. But one question I want to ask, and this will be something that you guys can respond to on Twitter as well, hopefully with, with great civility, as I'm sure you always do. What was it about this team 
that made them so successful. Because even in 2006, some of the numbers I'm about to read off are a bit staggering. This was a team that didn't have a single player with more than 30 home runs. Craig Monroe led the team with 28. They didn't have a single starting pitcher with an ERA below 3-5. The best on the team was Justin Verlander. He had a 3-6-3 ERA in his rookie of the year season. Kind of a sign of things to come. You had a closer in Todd Jones who was sketchy at best and had an average strikeouts per nine of 3.9. You're getting kicked out of the league if you have that as a closer nowadays. It wasn't a team that was a great offensive team. But yet, they just kind of made magic happen. And I've often wondered, and I'm going to pose the question to you guys, what was it that made this team so effective? I have I have a couple things. One, it was probably the best defensive team that the Detroit Tigers have had since the 84 season. I think this is a big reason why they were as successful as they were, because you even look at the Tigers teams from 2011 to 2014, none of those teams were good defensive teams. I mean, you had Miggy playing third base. You know, you had Prince at first. You had guys like Delman Young who had to play the outfield at points. You know, Austin Jackson was a great center fielder, and you had Jose Iglesias, but for, uh, for the most part, a lot of those teams struggled uh, defensively. Here, you had some studs defensively. You had Carlos Guillen at short, who led the team in war with a six-war. Brandon Inge, who say what you will about him, had a very good season in 2006 with a war of 5.0, and and even at his worst, was a tremendous defender. You had Curtis Granderson in his rookie season, Manning, center field. You had Placido Polanco, who was automatic at second base. So I think defense was a major contributing factor to that team's success. You had a bullpen that was obviously very sketchy. It always was, but you had a weapon in Joel Zamaya, who was, especially by today's standards, hilariously overused, sadly, and I think it ended up kind of derailing his entire career. 62 games that season, 83 in a third innings for a guy whose fastball peaked at 105. That That's not a, a recipe for success, but Leland did what he had to do, and that leads me into the other thing that I think made that team so successful. I understand a lot of people ripped Jim Leland, and he did not do everything right in his time in Detroit, but what he did in 06 was masterful. And yes, the team fell apart in the World Series, but if you're going down a list of most talented Detroit Tigers teams of the 21st century, once you get past the cesspool that was 2000 to 2005, and once you exclude the cesspool that has been 2017 to 2019, if you're just looking from 06 to 2016, I think the 06 team probably ranks kind of low down on that list of most talented Tigers teams. I don't even think they were more talented than the team 10 years later in 2016, a team that missed the playoffs with Kinsler and Verlander finishing second for the Cy Young and Falmer and Miggy in his prime and JD Martinez. And yet this 06 team made it to the World Series. And it's a question I pose to you guys. What do you think it was about this team? Did they just kind of have that magic? Because that, that's the other thing. Sometimes you just have a season where the ball bounces your way. And this team had a lot of walk-offs and a lot of late-inning comebacks. It's the reason why I wasn't super upset when they lost in the World Series. Because I felt like that team was playing way better than they had any right to for most of the season. They got to the World Series against a, a team in the Cardinals that had struggled all season, but was still a very experienced ball club that had made deep postseason runs the two previous years, and they lost. I didn't view it as a, as a huge disappointment. They remarkably overachieved 
I think it's kind of looked at with a bit of a more sour taste now because we thought in 06 that this was going to be the start of something very special, that this was going to be a team that was going to be making runs to the World Series or coming close to the World Series every other year, and that, you know what, eventually they'd win one. It's the same way that, like, you know, the Braves lost in the 91 and 92 World Series. They lost the 91 World Series, like the greatest series ever. Jack Morris's 10 scoreless innings in Game 7 won it for the Twins that year, but yet the Braves ended up winning it all in 95, and a lot of the kind of past failures were kind of forgiven. We thought that we would look at 06 as the beginning of something special, and well, it was. This team would go on to make it to another World Series and win a lot of divisions. They never got the ultimate prize, and I think it's kind of soured some people's taste of the 06 season where it was like, man, they should have just finished the job when they had the opportunity right there in front of them, and they didn't. Still a remarkable season and a very important season in Detroit Tigers history. The season that a lot of people people view as the year that postseason baseball or that baseball relevance was brought back to Detroit officially. So that is going to do it for a very roller coaster show. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow this show on Twitter at Tigers. Let me know why you think the 06 team was as successful as they were. And Friday, I will be doing mailbag segments, so you can send those questions to this show's Gmail account, LockedOnTigers at gmail.com. That would be much appreciated. And while you're quarantining, go to iTunes, go to Apple Podcasts, and leave a positive review. That would be much appreciated as well. Thank you for bearing with me. We will be back here with a mailbag segment on Friday. Have a great rest of your day, and go Tigers.